Back again for another week of exciting action in independent league baseball. We're going to break it down all here on the Indie Ball Report podcast. Alrighty, we are back again. Another episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. And I just realized... You know, we like never actually introduce ourselves on any of these shows, which uh-huh. like, every other podcast does, even with famous people that host them. My so God. I can only imagine if, like you tune in halfway through the year and you're just like, who the hell are these people? You know, well, you know, it keeps it mysterious. Exactly. It keeps it magic. Ex- exactly. See, there's a bit of a mystique about it. Plus, you get like once or twice a year we introduce ourselves. If you miss it, you're just out of luck there. Or you could just, you know, follow the links in our plugs at the end of the show, and then it's right there. So, I mean, there's options for you to figure it out with, but... There are options. I mean, you can figure it out, you can not figure it out. Look, I'm a man of mystery. (laughs) Uh, Plus, really, when he gets down to it, does it really matter in the end? Uh, No, no, it doesn't. Folks are going to listen one way or the other. Or you're just going to turn off the show now out of spite. Either way, we really can't control that. So, I mean, (laughs) you do you. (laughs) <laughs> either way we should probably get into the actual baseball action because you know we we have actual baseball to talk about for like the first time in like nine months or something actually yeah probably actually about nine months yeah nine yeah, months yeah it's pretty much i mean that's that's a, it's a big day it's a big exactly. day exactly it's exciting it's nice to finally have that plus we also got some uh more miniature kind of circuit leagues to talk about and then schomburg came up with some exciting news and then uh supposedly we have a little bit more uh clarity i suppose it would be as to whether or not somerset will be independent next year or affiliated so all of that stuff coming in due time but i think we should probably get going on just discussing actual baseball being played you know with a bat a ball nine fielders a real fun time it's a fun game to go to if you get the chance maybe you can. right i've heard i've heard exactly <laughs> I, I don't know what that's like i don't have that around me because you know there's this pandemic going on i'm not sure if you people realize this uh there's a pandemic uh, is there is there it's not like we've been talking about that for uh you know nine months <laughs> i know suppose it just sprung up out of nowhere it's like christmas it just kind of appears oh. Christmas. That's how I. That's what I think about it. <laughs> exactly. It's like a bastardized Christmas. Essentially, it's like Christmas if you're always the bad kid. That's right. It's Christmas that never ends. <laughs> it's just the 25 days of Christmas. But uh, whilst we we're on the topic of COVID, I suppose actually, uh, great points. Our place just to mention here is that whilst we were supposed to have a full slate of games, every team playing just about every day with the exception of Monday uh, this past week in Independent League Ball, last Sunday, the Chicago and Milwaukee game was actually postponed because two Milkman players were tested and they came back positive for COVID, which was the first positive test we've had since play began. No other players were affected. All those other players were retested. All tested negative, and then obviously they played on Tuesday in Chicago. Uh, no fans were in danger according to the releases, and all in all, it seemed to work out here. So, so far, it seems to be working out fairly well. I'm still trying to figure out who are the two players that got it. I mean, really, just look at the rosters and who hasn't played in the recent past here so to figure that out, but I'm, I'm still in the process of figuring that. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, something to figure out, but I mean, it's it's tough, you know? I mean, this is the way it's going to have to be, and 
you know, if this is the first test, it seems to have been passed, you know, and get the two guys and get them in quarantine and keep going. Exactly. Just keep chugging along. And so far, it seems like the response plan has been pretty good. Uh, only comment I will make is it seems to me like at least when they do some of the crowd shots on the streaming service from which the review I promised last week, that'll be coming out uh, this weekend, either later today being Saturday or uh, on early Sunday, one way or the other. But regardless, when they show these crowd shots on the streaming service, I will say it does seem like a lot of people do not care about wearing a mask. That's right. Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, in the stands, I could see it, because especially if you're, like, eating a hot dog or something. But if you're in the concourse area, I mean, you've got to be. I mean, I would think I would would be masked up the whole time. That's just me personally. But, Mm -hmm. you know, some people are making those choices for themselves. But I would be wearing a mask because... You know, even what is it now in New Jersey? You got to wear a mask outside now. So I mean, yeah, when you're in public, you're a mask. yeah, anytime you're in public, you got to wear the mask in New Jersey. Uh, that's just because we went from trending downward to steady. So technically, it's a rise, although it's not much of a rise. So I suppose this is just one preventive measure to get it to drop down even lower again. Which I mean, if it works, it works. So I can't complain if it's working. And, yeah. Uh, I agree with you personally. Unless I was eating or drinking something, I just laid the mask on the full time. It's really not that big of a deal. And just the one thing that kind of gets me is normally when you see like the kind of uh, in-between innings or in-between halves of innings and you got those kind of entertainment things going on. So the on the field stuff, you know, when the the MC on the field comes over and does like uh, the trivia questions and stuff. I mm-hmm. would kind of expect the participant of that to be wearing a mask just because, you know, they're only about an arm's length away. And right. when they're not wearing a mask, I'm just like, mm, there's something that doesn't settle right with me there. It's not that the fan's in jeopardy. It's the MC that's in jeopardy. Even though he is wearing a mask, it's like, yeah, I, there's something that doesn't sit that right with me, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, and the, and the issue is with the, the masks is that it's so hard to to know when the right time is to wear it and when to take it off. And, you know, these kinds of things are just so hard to know. I mean, scientifically, we don't have a whole ton of data. Um, and so these are, you know, it's precautionary measures are important. And, I mean, I would be wearing the mask more often than not if I were at a game. But, uh, you know, I'm not at games, so I'm not going yet. So, <laughs> you know, we got to see. Yeah, I guess people are making their own choices for themselves. But, obviously, in the United States, we are, we are climbing COVID-wise. So if you want to keep baseball going, you want to keep seeing Sioux Falls and Milwaukee and all these other teams uh, that are playing pretty decent right now, uh, keep going. You know, you might want to uh, might want to wear that mask. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. And I, personally, I think just as a good rule of thumb, if you're interacting with somebody, wear a mask. I think that's a pretty fair rule of thumb. I agree. Yeah. With that, I suppose we can now actually shift to the on-the-field play, which is, it's been a pretty uh, interesting week across the American Association, I gotta say. So far, I you would want to say, oh, well, Winnipeg's the team of the week. They were, I think, five and, or four and two, my mistake. I think they're four and three now after a loss last night. But even still, they've come out really strong. They've yep. gotten a bunch of hits, but yet... Sioux Falls is the team atop the standings, uh, five yeah. and two record. It's it's been all trending upward for them, and you know it's uh it'll be interesting to watch going forward here. Obviously, there's been some uh, standout performers early on. The team that so far is a bit surprising to me, uh, Fargo Moorhead. They are not they're not doing terribly well. 
coming into uh, Friday night's games. 51 runs allowed, 43 of them earned, by far the most in the American Association, actually 13 more than the second worst in that category being St. Paul. They're still in the 30s. Fargo is the first team in the 50s as far as uh, runs go, so nobody in the 40s at all. (laughs) Yeah, not great for Fargo. Look, you know, where we talked about it, they're a hit-and-miss kind of team. We both talked in our preview, we talked about how they could be really good, they could not be so good. They were one of our lower-rated teams, I believe, for both of us. We both saw promising potential there, but also the potential for them to slip up if things didn't come together. And so far, they haven't. But again, we are so early in this kind of COVID-weird season that it could be could be uh, there's something where they're able to turn it around. Obviously, we're only after like the first week of play here, so I'm not too concerned with them just yet. But obviously, if they keep giving up runs at that clip, it's going to be a problem long term um, for this season. But you know, hey, we'll see. We'll see what happens as it goes. But the, the, to me, the biggest surprise was St. Paul. I really thought St. Paul would get off to a little stronger start than this. Um, they're only three and four right now, and so for me, I think that's something that I didn't expect to see. I would, I, I thought they would at least at least, uh, you know, be a little bit stronger. And Milwaukee also coming out. Uh, good. I know we were both kind of high on Milwaukee as well, but mm. I do think that St. Paul, to me, was a, a shocker that they're that they're three and four out the gate. You know, St. Paul is one of those weird teams. I mean, from an offensive standpoint, they have guys that are doing well. I mean, they have four guys with an OPS over one point, or over a thousand, really, actually over a thousand one hundred. I mean, Troy Alexander's been very good, although limited time for him. Mikey Reynolds has done very well, actually, as we record this. I know he hit a home run in today's game as well, so he's been on fire. Uh, yeah. Sebastian Zawada, another guy, he actually has an OPS over 1.3, so I mean, really strong there. And then there's also Allen, who's been doing very well, too. I really think it comes back to pitching with them, though. They've only gotten really one good start. Uh, that was uh, Solter's first start. Uh, and even then, he went five and two-thirds, and he didn't allow any earned runs. And he struck out five, but even still, it was not the... It, it's only about six innings he got out of him, and that's one start. It doesn't really help you if you only have one good start. Moreover, their bullpen also been a bit up and down. Uh, James McCrane and Tanner Kirst. Those guys have been doing what they, we expected them to do, but yeah. they, they're just not being able to put all the pieces together, and it seems like they are, they're they definitely off to a bit of a rocky start. They are, but that doesn't mean that they can't figure it out, but they are certainly off to a rocky start, and for me, I see them you know, kind of figuring it out a little bit. Again, I don't think they're in the class of Winnipeg. Obviously, you know, it's one game at this point, difference between the two of them. Or two games, excuse me, difference between the two of them, but game and a half. But it's not really something that's uh, that that is showing up in the box score. But I really do believe that Winnipeg is in a different class than St. Paul at the moment. And I mean, you can't discount what Milwaukee and Sioux Falls have done either. I mean, both really good teams. Obviously, Milwaukee uh, has the ability. You know, they didn't play the one game, so they're four and two. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff uh, going on in terms of for those squads. So I could definitely see there being an issue coming down if we're talking about playoffs for St. Paul, just because you have some really, really good teams at the top there, particularly Sioux Falls and Winnipeg. Exactly. I mean, uh, 
Obviously, I just want to touch one last thing on St. Paul really quick, which is Justin Burris had a surprisingly good start to the season. I mean, three yeah. home runs, I believe he uh, has at this point. Uh, he has a slugging of over 500 now, and he's batting about 421. So, solid start from the year out of him. But, yeah. but going back to uh, Milwaukee, like you said, they've been really up and down. Like, watching them play, there is a lot to see there, and they're they're always in close games, which tells me that while they're not separating themselves from the pack, they have the ability to pull them out. Plus, they've managed to defeat the power of the rally pickle several times now, which is in and of itself a tremendous feat, really. And uh, I do also like Ventura. I know he's a guy we highlighted to start the year, or in our preview, rather. He's not. I want sh- the rally pickle. That's all I have to say. We'll get to the rally pickle in in just a moment when we get into Chicago talk. But yeah, with uh, Milwaukee, though, Ventura, like I said, he's won his first two starts, an ERA below 1-7. He's off to a tremendous start here. There's some offense coming through, but it's been kind of spaced out. And now with Chase Simpson going down with injury, uh, it would appear as though that has another major bat they lose. Now, Aaron Hill's been doing a good job kind of filling in, and they moved uh, Dylan Tice from second base to third base, and then Hill slotted in at second base, so everything else is staying pretty much the same here. And there is a lot to like about them, but there is, they're in that middle tier, which, to be fair, most of the league's in this middle tier. But Yeah, most of the league is, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, you know some of those middle tier teams can kind of jump out of that and uh, go to a, you know, more elevated tier. Exactly. But Get to where they need to be to try to make the playoffs and whatnot. 100% there, but you also have to keep in mind one other thing here. When you say it's, you know, it's still early in the year, because it is. I mean, we're like, what, seven games in, eight games in at this time? Yep. But then when you put in the context of percentages, we're about a sixth of the way done with the season. There's yeah, only that's 60 crazy, games. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So every game is almost like playing one and a half games. So, while you do have time to make this up, it's not any sort of a death sentence by any means, you also have to keep in mind, if you're still middling or you fall really far behind, like, say, Fargo's doing at the moment, this time next week, it's going to be a real uphill battle to climb out from that hole. Likewise, if we get to the end of the month, if two weeks from now, when we're kind of looking back at the first half of the season we're 30 games in or actually i believe it would be about what uh, 20 games in or so about a yeah. third of the way done with the year i mean if you're still in last place a third of the way done while not insurmountable it's pretty close there if you're not within a handful of games and you're gonna need a lot of help there too so it's the kind of thing where if you are like even a chicago or milwaukee right now and you're kind of hovering around 500 you should be mm-hmm. in fine shape but if you're like Fargo and you're, I believe, two and five, it's got to be starting. It's something that's got to be worrying you, especially because one of those wins was an amazing walk off by Trey Hare, who single handedly yeah. won you that game last Sunday. Yeah, he did. And, you know, obviously that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen every week and every game. And so there's serious, serious problems there. And I do think that they have to be careful because a two and five start is a could be in this really shortened season a really bad um, omen for what to come and not being able to, you know, two and five, you can still dig your way out of it. But to a certain extent, you know, once you get, you know, two and six, two and seven, nah, I mean, it just starts to get harder and harder every game you lose. Exactly. I mean, you get to four and ten, now it's okay. We're, we're back six games from 500. 
then you get to six and 15 and now it's really hard to dig yourself out of the hole and something else that has to be factored in only the top two teams are making the postseason which is a really really big thing to factor in too which makes these big holes even worse before where you yeah. just had to you know kind of get into that top four spot there you'd be fine you could manage to get yourself to second place and all would be well and you could you know hammer it out now it's just if you're not one of the best two teams you're just not there it will be interesting to see how all that winds up shaking out here, but I I do want to give some credence to some of the other teams we hadn't talked about here, and I know we're, I'm mentioning Fargo a lot for not necessarily the best reasons, but I will say they, they're an interesting team still to watch. I mean, uh, Hagens has been doing very good, uh, 19 Ks in about 11 innings, give or take. Now, granted, the ERA is not entirely favorable to them, uh, 4.22, Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's also something you have to consider that look at the team around them. That's something yeah. that has to be factored in. Not to say that the team isn't good. There's pieces there that I really do like. I mean, Dylan Kelly, not the best bat so far to this point in the year, although there haven't been too many like that. He's a solid defensive fielder. Carell Prine's been doing well. Trey Hare's obviously, I think, been the best player on the team to this point in the season. And then uh, Cito Culver's been doing well as- also. So there's guys there. Metzger also not doing too bad either. But at the same time, uh, pitching's been a concern for them. He's getting the strike. Exactly. I mean, like I have right here, I mean, relievers used. They used four relievers in four games of their first six games. So only two of their first six games, these guys didn't get in. Uh, Helton, Osnowitz, Jones, and Thurston. They saw a good bit of action here. I mean, you use guys sometimes back to back to back, which, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think is that big of a deal, particularly at the indie ball level, but still to go from just kind of picking up midway through the season, not really facing too much competitive bats, um, really not having that much of an exhibition season beforehand. I mean, I think they played, what, maybe one or two kind of uh, simulated games, and then they jump right into it. Then you start pitching... As a reliever, you know, two innings one day, another inning another day, two-thirds of an inning the next day, it starts to add up. Then you have one off day, and then you're right back to pitching again. It, it starts to really kind of dial up there. There's other guys in that bullpen that could be used. Uh, plus, it doesn't help that every Fargo pitcher, as of the start of Friday night's games, had an ERA above three, which, yeah. you know, it's a bit concerning just because of how early in the season you are. If we were... If it was August 12th, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Everyone should probably be over three or if not around three, except for a few guys that are really lights out. I mean, it wouldn't be that unusual. But to have absolutely no pitcher on the roster here that has managed to not give up an earned run or not pitch enough innings to kind of negate that is a bit concerning to me. Yeah, it is concerning. And, you know, I just I I really think that they're going to struggle um, you know, another team I think is going to struggle a little bit is Chicago. Um, obviously, they're three and four right now. Time to turn it around. But again, a team that I think, you know, overall just is, is a li- you know, it's kind of what we thought we were, we were going to get from them. Kind of a middle of the road team that has the ability to maybe, you know, do a little bit better. But, you know, obviously lost their last three games and um, uh, uh, excuse me, lost their last three games coming into the 10th and then one against Fargo. Uh, so if they could beat Fargo, you know, they can, they can do that. But obviously they're struggling a little bit here out of the gate. And uh, I'm hopeful that they can, you know, pull it together, but we'll see. 
Yeah, I mean, Landendorf has done okay. Two home runs for him, uh, at least coming into Friday night. He batted below 200, though. Uh, really, the only bat that I can reliably say is consistent on Chicago is Arroyo. Edwin Arroyo's yeah. been doing very well. He's batting over 500. He had a grand slam last night. Uh, first grand slam in his career, actually. He has an OPS over uh, one and a half, which is very good. And he's he's slugging, he's getting on base, he's doing everything you want him to do. But at the same time, he's a one-man band, and that's not going to work. Baseball, while it may be an individual sport on some level, at the end of the day, it's still a team sport, and you need other guys around you to help to help out the cause. Absolutely. You can't have one guy trying to carry an entire lineup. That will not work. Exactly. Not I mean... Work. When your team is batting from about 210, that's not good. Definitely not good and really going to be a problem, even if you do have the rally pickle. Oh, yes. And I suppose now is the perfect time to bring up the rally pickle because I'm sure it some is. people are very confused as to what uh, what exactly this is. So mm. on Tuesday night when Chicago had their home opener, we saw the launch of what could only be called the rally pickle. See, so this year the dogs introduced another mascot. Now, we know they have their uh, mustard mascot, who's supposedly their good guy, and then the ketchup mascot, who's, I guess, kind of like their version of the Hamburglar. If you remember the Ronald McDonald and Friends, those cartoons and the VH, those two that we know. But now there's also this third. It's the Rally Pickle. Now, the Rally Pickle is just a guy in green spandex with, I believe it's a foam cutout of a pickle. That's just kind of generally sewed together that they just tossed over the dude. And he just kind of in the, I guess, the ninth inning, actually. Yeah, it has to be the ninth inning. If it's a close game for Chicago, if it's, I guess, a save situation or they're just trailing in general, he just starts running around the ballpark and doing all sorts of gymnastics, doing flips and kind of breakdance moves. And it's just a crazy thing to see. This guy's just running around dressed as a pickle, trying to get the crowd into it, trying to get the rally started. And I'll be damned, it worked. It got Chicago into extra innings to one game. All I will say is, the rally pickle is not to be trifled with. That's and right. You, you can't mess with the rally pickle here. Come on now. Exactly. And clearly, although they were in Fargo last night, clearly the rally pickle worked as they turned a deficit into, what, an 11 to six win in Fargo. Correct. Yeah. I yep. mean, the rally pickle works. I mean, See, the rally pickle is, is, is a folkloric hero. Okay. And Oz the God, like that's going to be the name of this episode. It's just rally pickle because that's the I only mean, way it, this thing could go. I mean, because the rally pickle is just, it, it just can't be put into words. If you want to see the Rally Pickle in action, uh, if you go to the, uh, I guess it's aabaseball.tv, and you go into the archive games, just go to Tuesday night's game, skip to the, where the ninth inning starts, like in between the end of the eighth, it's in between the top of the ninth and the uh, bottom of the ninth, and you'll see the Rally Pickle doing his whole deal. So be sure to look at that. It is a sight to behold there. but It is. Yeah. One other thing I just want to touch on here before we kind of go out, go over our players of the week. Just some guys I want to highlight. Uh, Ty Colberth for Sioux Falls had a solid first outing. Uh, six scoreless, three hits allowed. Great outing for him. I kind of pegged him to be this year's Frank Duncan. What Duncan was for the Miners last year, I think Colberth could be for the Canaries this year. I'm basing yep. that solely on the fact they played on the same double-A team, that being Hartford. And... Quite frankly, I, I'm so far looking good. I'm just my uh, Hail Mary shot. 
also, uh, Alay Lago doing fairly well too. In 26 at bats, he's batting about 423. So he's looking fairly solid there. And just as a team entirely, uh, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, in, for a Gold Eye that has at least 18 at bats, they all have two RBIs, four hits, and two runs scored so far. So just an offensively dynamic team. And as far as pitching goes on that team, uh, Mitch Lampson has done terrific so far in 12 innings of work, an ERA below 1 and 10 Ks. So he is doing Oof. very, very good. That's right. Oh, yeah. And that, that's that's good stuff. And, and, you know, the thing is, you got some guys who are really, I think, going to shine uh, through this league. And because they're the only ones playing ball, I tell you what, you're going to see some people with some opportunities next year. If this is all kind of figured out and we get back to the normal routines of independent league baseball and minor league baseball, you're going to see some of these guys who played during this season get rewarded, I think, for having the spotlight on them. Yeah, right now, that's also a great point I'm making is they're really the only North American baseball league that's playing. Of course, we're going to go yeah. over some of the circuit leagues in just a minute that are popping up around the country. But as far as established professional leagues, they have a monopoly on it, at least for the next little bit here. And yeah. that's got to be boding well for them. While you have scouts out, they're probably going to be looking for some guys to toss into a taxi squad for either this year or just to maybe have for spring training next year. Obviously, yeah. you know, 2021 is going to be a weird year with the reforming of MILB and all sorts of other things here. But certainly it will help you greatly to have a good start to the year. And some of the guys that have had a good start to the year are the guys we're going to mention now as we go through our players of the week. I'm going to let you start with that as I get a drink of water. Sounds good. So, yeah, my players of the week. So I know we were supposed to do right one batter one pitcher this was the thing this is what we're gonna do oh, and i just no. couldn't do it i couldn't do it this week i couldn't make myself do it so my first one is coming from your sioux falls canaries all right now we, we had an issue last week with the names we mispronounced some names we know this all right we mispronounced them okay but i do not want to hear any anything from the twitter folks especially especially somebody who's dressed like an 1860s baseball player all right i don't hear anything i want to hear any lip all right I'm not, all right we're doing our best here okay so from yours who falls canary my player of the week damick tomsha all right he's he went 12 for 30 that's 400 for you kids counting at home he had two doubles a triple and two home runs let me tell you what i played baseball a long time that is a good week that is a real good week but not to be outdone by Mr. Darnell Sweeney, who went 10 for 30, 333 for you kids at home, and he had four doubles. Now, anybody who's ever had a week like that with four doubles, you know you are hitting the ball good. Because to get a double, you're really you're getting, you're getting on top of the ball, you're hitting it good, and no cheapies in there, four doubles. So Darnell Sweeney, Damick Tomsha, those are my two players of the week. So, I agree with you. Tomsha had a great week also with Sweeney. And I'm going to kind of copy you here as you went on your whole rant against the names. And I will say this much. Uh, if you come to the show expecting to have names pronounced correctly, you clearly haven't been listening for very long. Uh, we've said this before. We take pride in mispronouncing names. I mean, Rockland is still Rockland. I'm not calling them New York. 
I've reiterated right. that. And when Gastonia got confirmed, uh, we said, get ready to be called Gastona and not Gastonia, because that's how this is going to work. Now, Correct. so far, we've been good on that front, but just wait a year when we're actually mentioning the name frequently, because we're just going to be calling them whatever their nickname is. It's going to be, if they're called, like, the Gastonia Lightning Slots, let's say, because you won't do better than that. Or the Gastonia Blasters, or whatever it may be. We're just going to call them by that name. But, they're just going to be the Blasters. <laughs> but regardless, I'm going to copy you. I am going to have a player from Sioux Falls and a player from Winnipeg as well. Although I followed the structure. I picked a pitcher <laughs> and I picked a batter. <laughs> And I'll start with my batter, my position player of the week. It was tough to pick. I was thinking maybe Trey Hare to get going. I mean, he basically won a game himself uh, the other day, I believe it was Sunday, and he's had a solid week too. Dylan Tice also popped into my mind. He's had a triple, I believe a couple of doubles as well, a home run. He's had a very solid week. However, when I looked through the numbers, it came down to two players. Kyle Martin was an option. Because three home runs in four games oh, yeah. is just off the charts. Ridiculous. However, he has slowed down since then. But one True. guy that hasn't slowed down is his teammate from the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Logan Hill. Logan oh, Hill yeah. is batting 519, slugging 536 with an on base percentage of 704. Extremely well to this point. He also has a home run there too. When you look at the numbers, he's at the top of them in all the major offensive categories. I had to go with Logan Hill this week, although it was very close and hard fought. And already my leader for next week, I'm thinking it's going to be Edwin Arroyo because he was also oh, yeah. up there. I mentioned his stats a little bit earlier, but we'll wait and see till next week for my next uh, batter of the week. Ooh. As far as my pitcher of the week, again, this was tough. Uh, it really came down to a handful of guys. It was, it was either going to be Ventura. It was going to be Mitch Lampson, but at the end of the day, I went a little off the board, and from Sioux Falls, I picked Keaton Steele. He was their closer. Five innings pitched in five games, so he appeared in five of six games this week, and he had three saves and three Ks, and an ERA of 1.8, so a solid outing for him. Um, Not bad. I kind of picked him just solely off the fact he got three saves. He got him three wins, and they were against competitive teams. It's not like he just kind of was, you know, not playing good teams. He was playing St. Paul, which was a solid uh, solid start. Gets him yeah. off to a good outing, or gets him off to a good start to the year with three solid, or five solid outings from the guy. He really hasn't had a bad show of it as of yet, and he's adding some stability into that team. And frankly, I don't think relievers get enough uh, credit, really, for the work they do. And Keaton Steele, he, he just earned it this week. That's all I got to say as far as Keaton Steele is concerned. I agree with that. I'll give you that one. And so with that, I think we're good to wrap up the American Association League talk this week. I'm very curious to see how St. Paul and um, Sioux Falls winds up this week, as well as the Chicago series. I think those are the two most interesting series so far this week, and I'll be very interesting to see going into next week. Before we move on to the circuit leagues and more of the news of the uh, of the week, what are you looking forward to for this upcoming week? Obviously, I want to see if Sioux Falls and the American Association can really keep their 
pace going. To me, they've been really good offensively, been really good pitching wise. I want to see if they can keep both of those things up. Uh, obviously, they you know they beat Winnipeg. They've really you know come out strong here, and I want to see if they can continue this. If they uh, if they stumble against Winnipeg here, I think the, these next couple games they've got one. I think today, which is Saturday, and, uh, and they have uh, and they also have one again on the twelfth against Winnipeg, and I think. Th- those two games will really do decide to me who's you know jockeying for those top two spots. I think I could see uh, Winnipeg taking if Winnipeg takes the next two games today and then tomorrow, we could see you know the really that shift where Winnipeg overtakes Sioux Falls and may not look back. But if Sioux Falls could keep it cooking here, I think you might see Sioux Falls really solidify themselves in that top spot. So I'm interested to see uh, what goes down this weekend with them, uh, and then and also I want to see. Uh, moving forward, just how the COVID plays out, if there's more outbreaks, how the testing works, all of that. But baseball-wise, I want to see if the Sioux Falls Canaries can keep keep going the way they've been going because they've been quite impressive to start the year. I agree with that. I think this is the week we're going to kind of determine who are our two elite horses. Is it going to remain Winnipeg and in the Sioux Falls? Is it going to be one or the other? Is it going to be none of them? Are they going to come back down to earth? And I think the main thing I'm looking towards this week is what happens in Fargo. Are they going to solve their pitching issues? Obviously, they gave them, I believe, 11 or 12 runs last night. Or are they going to continue that path where they give up 10 runs a game? Which, if that's the case, then, I mean, you might as well just start burying them already. I mean, I think they have about one, maybe two weeks left to really sort these issues out. And if people don't jump in and kind of help out Trey Hare and Carell Prime and Brett Metzger... I think it could wind up being the end of the Red Hawks fairly early on. Because, again, yeah. this, the midpoint of the season is going to sneak up on us really quick. I mean, we're almost halfway through July as it is as we're recording this. And by the time we release next week's show, show number 71, we're going to be halfway through July, which means we're going to be about a quarter of the way through the season. And yeah. it's at that point that you really can fall out of contention. I mean, you can't lose, you can't win the league in the first two weeks, but you certainly can lose it. And yeah. that's going to be something that Fargo has to kind of sort out here real quick. If they can just get up to 500 or even get within two games of 500, if they can end the week and they have five wins, four wins, eh, not four wins, they need five or six wins in total yeah. by the end of the week to really still be in this. If they have four or less, I'm going to really start to doubt them. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be essential to look at. It's crucial for them. This week cannot be overstated for them just because, like we're saying, of the accelerated schedule. When you're only playing, you know, a a shortened season, you really have to have the wins early on. uh, And you have to continue to win, especially because you're going to be playing the same teams over and over again. And if one team is, you know, weak against you, if one team strong against you, you really, you know, they're going to start knowing and being so familiar with the opponents that you got to, you got to get them early on while while a lot of these teams are still somewhat fresh and haven't been hit by any COVID outbreaks and ha- don't have any injuries. There's a lot of things that are very important going on here. And so I think you're right. This, these next two weeks, I'll say, I'll say this week coming up and then the week after are crucial. We will know by the end of not next week, but the following week, who is in contention and who is not in every single sense in the American Association. Well put, and I agree entirely. And the last thing I'm going to say before we go to the news and then go to our, I suppose, our feature of the week is I really do applaud Fargo 
Winnipeg, and Chicago, the main three culprits of releasing half the guys we had in our preview for last week. We were going off about, oh, look at the pitching depth on this team. I think this guy could really be a breakout candidate. And then right before I released this, I released last week's preview and I started, you know, just let me make sure that everything's still well and good. I go to the transaction page and they finally updated to show half the guys we mentioned by name in the preview were just outright released, which meant I had to go back and just cut out about five, ten minutes worth of content because those players just weren't there anymore. And when you mention, yeah, I think so-and-so is going to have a great year this year and they're cut one day after opening day, it's not a great start. Not a great start. You know, maybe it's weird, the COVID stuff, who knows, but, you know, uh, it wasn't a great start. All I can say is, you know, I wish Joey Terslavic got off to a little better start. You know, we're talking about a 208 batting average. I mean, he's not really helping me. He's not doing me any favors. I mean, my <laughs> my boy Lago's doing pretty good, though, batting over he 400. Is. So but, that's looking know. pretty good. Uh, but Terslavic had a home run last night, so he got that going for him. He did have a home run. So I guess with that, we'll move now to some of the actual news, and we'll get through this fairly quickly. I mean, it's not too much. It's really only two stories that I saw worth of note. The Quebec story, which was they were trying to figure out a way to play a championship series with Three Rivers. That's not going to happen. Three Rivers does have the Junior Eagles playing there this week. Uh, not much to really discuss there. Just hard to make it work with all the moving pieces and everything. Uh, that's really all there is to that. But the two major ones which I guess I'll start with the one that's more pertinent to a lot of our listeners, which is, as we all know, everyone's favorite team, the Somerset Patriots. And that is, we got another article talking about their potential move to affiliated ball. Now, this came, it quoted Califer, you know, the chairman emeritus of the team, and he alluded to, in his statements, joining a Major League Baseball, saying they're flattered, they're discussing it, you know, they're open to anything. And basically saying, look, if we can strike a deal, we'll do it. Um, and then there was also a quote in there saying that Somerset is probably the most likely of the independent league teams to become affiliated, um, which I'm not really sure what to make of that. I'm not sure what to make of it either. I mean, obviously, there's so much that is going to have to change in MLIB in the next year it's going to be incredible so i count nothing out i rule nothing out i could certainly see this happening it's possible but i just i mean i just don't know if this is the market where somerset wants to go into affiliated ball because there is such hostility from major league baseball to the affiliated system at the moment that i just really don't know if it's the time to jump in and i trust the califers they're all smart and I really do think they'll make the best decision for the Patriots and obviously for Bridgewater and the whole area. But to me, I really think that staying in the Atlantic League right now might be their best bet. However, I could be wrong, right? And I'm not, I don't have access to the information that they do. And if they're talking to a team like, you know, the Yankees, the Mets, something like that, that would be a really close uh, addition that would take care of their payroll and these type of things, it might be worth it. But again, I would be very wary of Rob Manfred and going into the affiliated system. Now, that doesn't mean that this isn't going to happen. This could happen. Just because I don't think it's the best of ideas doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I could very well see this happening because if it wasn't going to happen, they would have undoubtedly shut it down immediately. Uh, they wouldn't be flirting around with it the way they are right now. 
And so I, I really do think that it's a possibility and it's something we could see on the horizon. I just don't know how wise of a move it is at this point in time. I agree with the animosity. I'm just not sure if I agree with where it's from. I'm Major League Baseball to MILB. It doesn't really matter because MILB needs Major League Baseball more than Major League Baseball needs MILB. I mean, True. just it's as simple as that there. I mean, already MILB has given so much in concessions here that, you know, that they're just kind of over the barrel. I think the animosity is more between the fans of Major League Baseball, between the prolonged struggle to get baseball starting to be played again. Now, granted, it's going to get played at the end of the month, one way or the other. I think a lot of fans are saying, why couldn't we have it sooner? Obviously, yeah. between the rules being implemented, between the universal DH, which I know I'm vehemently against and refuse to watch <laughs> Major League Baseball until it's dead in the NL, and then the rule that really has a lot of people all rustled, which is starting extra innings with the runner on second, which for anyone familiar with minor league baseball on just about every level, with the exception of the American Association, you're used to this rule. It's been a rule for quite some time now and really doesn't do much. I mean, like, yeah, it ends games quicker, but I don't really mind it because, again, an extra inning game on a Tuesday night is not the kind of thing I want to stick around for. The players don't want to stick around for it. The coaches don't want to waste more guys' arms on it. And quite frankly... When you already have a low-capacity crowd on a Tuesday night in the middle of July yep. for an extra inning game, the second extras hit, more people are going to leave. A crowd that started maybe 1,000 is probably down to about 700 at this point, maybe even Thank lower. And yeah, really, and probably actually close to 500. Yeah. And the second extra inning hit, I guarantee you it's starting to trend close to 300. And with, extra, with every extra inning, you could probably take off about 25 folks. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you I want mean, to end quick. Somerset games that are packed, you know, maybe 5,000 people, you know, really getting close to capacity for Somerset, really getting up there. And and then all of a sudden, you know, you get into an extra inning game and it's like, you know, you, you just lose everybody. I mean, Sussex County is the worst with this, right? I mean, you okay. get to you get to the extra innings and there's nobody left in the stadium. Exactly. I mean, like this is just a this is just a rule of thumb here. Also, because it's a little bit of a fatigue thing too. I mean, you've spent the past about two and a half, three hours watching baseball. You kind of come expected to come to a conclusion here. Like we talk about how, yeah, I don't mind long games. I kind of like them. But when three hours starts to turn to three and a half hours, starts to turn to four hours, starts to turn to four and a half hours, it's like okay. Hours. Oh boy. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've said I've been a player and a. Uh, a fan and for like six hour baseball games or you know five hour baseball games and by the end of it you're just even as a fan you're just so fatigued because you're you know the highs and lows of baseball uh your feet you're in, you know, especially if you're intense in every moment you know i'm sure fans have done it and really it's hard to, to sit through that on a regular basis and I, that's why i don't really have a particular problem with these type of rules to speed things up because it's just better for fans it's way better for players it, it's it keeps guys healthier it keeps guys fresher and i would rather see a guy you know you know, I'd rather see my team lose because of the guy on second and let's say like two pass balls happen and then the next game they can come out and, you know, try to go for it again, then, uh, you know, throw their best reliever's arm out because he pitched five innings during a, you know, you know, extra inning game that they lost on a walk off home run anyway. Exactly. Like that, that gets my main point is 
it's not really that big of a deal to rule. It's, if anything, a positive right. in my mind. In any case, back onto the main point here is rules like that, though, are creating some animosity with Major League Baseball fans. So yeah. if you're going to then jump to affiliate, uh, the obvious you know advantage there is your roster is paid for. You have more money freed up here, and given the current economic status of everything, that's definitely a huge win, especially with the plans that they have going forward over their next 20. With the next 20 initiative they started back in October, it would be extremely helpful to not have to pay a roster. I mean, that's your biggest expense. But there is going to be that Major League Baseball connection, which some people may not like. Other people may just not like the fact you're affiliated. Now, granted, I don't think that's going to be a huge deterrent uh, to many people. No, I I mean, I think economically, right? I mean, just from an economic standpoint, I I could wind up, I could see this being a very good thing for Somerset. I just, I I do worry about them being part of MLIB and not having the same amount of control that they have now. Exactly. That's a concern of mine. And I think the larger thing that's going to hold this up is just who are they going to be affiliated with? Presumably, they're just going to go to an A, double A, triple A level. Now, you would assume the three teams that could possibly be is the Mets, the Yankees, and the Phillies. Well, each of those three all have the AAA affiliates already figured out. The Mets have Syracuse, the Yankees have Wilkes-Barre, and the Phillies have Lehigh Valley. Okay, Mm -hmm. so not AAA. We didn't expect them to be a AAA ballpark anyway. All three of those teams have single-A affiliates, Clearwater, uh, Port St. Lucie, and Tampa. Okay, that makes sense. That's their spring training location, too. So that yeah. leaves double A. Not really. to get away with that. <laughs> exactly. So I'm not going to be moving that. So then you have double A. Well, the Mets now have Brooklyn. So they're not going to be moving off of Brooklyn. Nope. The Yankees have Trenton, which to move from Trenton to Somerset seems to be a lateral move at best. So I don't really see why you do that. You're, it's a few miles. Like, bridge, you know, Bridgewater to Trenton is like, you know, 20 miles, 15 miles, if that, you know, it's right up 31. I mean, we're not dealing with a a whole lot of movement there. Exactly. You're not doing anything that's going to be, like I said, it's lateral at best. And then with the Phillies, you have Reading. So it's like, okay, it's probably about the same. If not, Somerset's further away from your big league club. Yeah. Yeah. Reading's probably further away from AAA. So if you need to move guys around like that, sure. But it's what, what's the difference? Like maybe two hours. Like it's not that big of a deal. I mean, even I mean, Reading's not that far into Pennsylvania. Maybe maybe an hour and a half. Exactly. Like uh, that's just the thing. I don't see who they'd be affiliated with. I mean, like then you're starting to get into teams like Baltimore, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Boston. All of which make no sense. The only way to do it is if you have a team that's going to get rid of their affiliate, right? If if, you know the team's going to do that, like there's no way. That Washington is going to get rid of Harrisburg. Harrisburg. I mean, you're just talking about just a phenomenal fan experience in Harrisburg. So, I mean, you know, you're talking about things where Somerset has an amazing experience for what they have, right? But, you know, these clubs that have been affiliated for a long time are really, some of them are really top tier. Like, like Trenton is a really top tier facility. So you're, you know, it's, it's really going to, it would be very difficult for me to see this happening. Not impossible, but difficult, but something that I could see happening if you find, I mean, you might find a random team, like like you said, Baltimore or something like that. I don't know their affiliated system well enough to be able to speak on it in, intelligently. But what I can say is that if you have these teams where it's possible to go in and get them, yeah, I mean, you can do that, but 
I mean, wouldn't it make sense if you kept it in the tri-state, especially with COVID and who knows how long this is going to last? And I mean, maybe it'll become less of a concern at a certain point if there's a vaccine or, you know, whatnot, but it still will be a minor concern. And so wouldn't you want your team to be closer? Yeah, a guy would make a lot of sense in my mind, at least. Plus, the whole point of the like rearranging and realignment of this was to get all your affiliates closer to the parent club. So, I mean, yeah, well, I suppose like lower northern New Jersey, upper southern New Jersey, where Somerset is, isn't uh, you know that far from Baltimore. It still isn't close. And if I'm right, the two major Baltimore uh, affiliates that all still exist would be Bowie. And uh, Norfolk, all of which, oh, yeah. which are probably close. I mean, Norfolk's probably break even, but even still, then just keep with what, keep with what you got. I know Boston's going to have, uh, uh, they're losing Pawtucket and they're going to Worcester, so they're going to have Worcester, and they're going to have Portland, Maine. So that's yeah. their their two major ones. I don't know about the Pirates, but I got to imagine there's closer affiliates than New Jersey where you have to go across the whole state of Pennsylvania to get guys through. So that makes no sense to me there. It's just, there isn't, uh, it's like a game of musical chairs and there just isn't a chair for Somerset. So I don't know how that's going to work out, but again, I could see it. The only thing I could think of that makes sense is maybe, and it'd be hard for this to stay under wraps, and this is just me kind of spitballing something here, it's not me reporting anything, but I wonder if the Atlantic League becomes that dream league they were talking about, you know? I know I've thrown this theory out before, but it would make sense in a way. You already have the basic infrastructure of what Major League Baseball wants in the Atlantic League, you already have a partnership there, you could basically just toss as many teams as you want into it, and with the teams that I keep hearing filtered through and through of, oh, they're going to lose their team, oh, they may lose their team, it's a lot, outside of like the Appalachia League and the Pioneer League, a lot of those teams would very well be considered Atlantic League territory. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I very well could see, I mean, like a Binghamton, that's definitely within their realm. I know Frederick, Maryland was on the chopping block. That's well within their realm. I mean, yep. I believe like the furthest one that would be kind of like, okay, that's new, would be Chattanooga. But even then, maybe if you go, if Chattanooga does, you know, get axed, maybe they say, oh, we don't want to be part of the Dream League. We'll join the Frontier League instead. Right. I mean, like, that's possible. Teams can do that. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a lot of touch and go, and we'll have to, you know, as we always say on the show, wait and see how it turns out. But it is something that I think may not be as impossible as once thought. Yep, I agree. All right, and so with that, we'll go to our final uh, news item of the day, which is the Schaumburg Stadium will have baseball this year, in a way. So the Chicago White Sox announced that they are going to use the Schaumburg Boomers Stadium as the home of their taxi squad team. So starting on the 15th of July, the team will run their, you know, kind of inter-squad scrimmages, their workouts, all their, really the camp and everything for the taxi squad guys will be based out of the Boomers ballpark. So the guys that will essentially act as the minor league team, the call-up team for the White Sox this year, they're playing out of that indie ballpark. Uh, there's going to be some adjustments made to the park, of course, and the workouts are closed to the public. Uh, those upgrades or alterations, really, to the ballpark. Uh, there's going to be an all-weather 
uh, player tunnel put into right field. The playing surface and the dimensions of the ballpark are going to be changed to be up to MLB specifications and major league dimensions. Also, there's going to be more health screening areas, some new food service areas, and the suite level is going to be changed into a strength training area. So it's just interesting to see that we're having more more of a recognition for Major League Baseball, official partnerships and deals like this with independent league baseball. It kind of keeps the trend of what we were just talking about, too. Yeah, it does. It does. It keeps the trend. And you know what? I mean, I like that anytime we've talked about it on the show many times. Anytime there's a, an addition, there's an upgrade. I'm all for it. I think that's what keeps people going to games is part the play on the field. And of course, part the amenities that your organization can offer. And we talked about it when York redid their ballpark. I really like this type of move. I think it really helps. And then, of course, when you have baseball being played, that is so important as well. Exactly. I mean, it's not open to the public or anything like that, but the ballpark is being used, which is a plus. And who knows, maybe this will help out Schomburg players with getting their contracts purchased next year, you know? Yeah. I have an organization that already knows the ballpark. It'll be kind of getting out to Major League Baseball, what the ballpark's like, what the conditions are like. There's a relationship now made with those running the Boomers and with those running the stadium that they play in and the White Sox. So it's definitely a positive sign in my mind that this is happening. So huge win on that front. Uh, yep, absolutely. All right. So with that, we'll move now to our preview of the circuit leagues. We're not going to go too, too in-depth on all of them. Uh, we'll go ahead and give you an overview of what the league's about, kind of look through the roster, see if there's any interesting names that jump out, and then make a bunch of predictions that, to be quite honest, uh, they're really just that. They're predictions. They're educated guesses on how this is going to turn out. And preface all of these leagues by saying this much. No promises on how often we're going to cover all of this. I mean, you saw with just two news items and the American Association, we're already at about an hour as it is. So if we were to give each of these leagues that same amount of time, we'd be here for quite some time. Uh, So really, we may not uh, spend too much time on any one of these leagues going forward, but we will definitely check in with them occasionally, maybe just once or twice a month, but certainly keep up to date with them. With that said, uh, there's really no better place to start than starting with Somerset. They will play a two-team league, really more of a circuit. They have 12 games on Fridays and Saturdays that starts next week, actually, on the 17th of uh, July. And will run through the month of August, ending on the 22nd of August. The second team we have a name for that was announced, and you can buy merch for the second team. They are called the New Jersey Blasters. Uh, it's just a oh, B with some flames out the back. It looks like the same design team that did all the Constellation Energy League, aka Sugarland League logos. It's not really that nice of a design, I'll be quite honest, and pretty generic jersey. It's just a gray jersey that says Blasters on it, but uh, yeah. Uh, what are yeah. our thoughts on just the preference information about the Somerset League? Well, you know, this is it's great that there's baseball happening, right? I mean, I think that's the, the key is that, you know, there is that economic boom for the, the area that will come as a result of there being Somerset games. You know, obviously, obviously, you know, you've got the blasters here and you're playing – you know, we'll talk about it in a second with this roster. You know, maybe it's not exactly the most uh, fair roster in the whole world. Maybe we're not exactly putting an apples-to-apples comparison on guys here, but they're doing their best. 
and we'll see what happens. I mean, I really, I don't know how much I love all of these little leagues. I mean, I get it, right? I understand. Baseball needs to be played. This is how you do it. Yeah, exactly. But, but, you know, we can, I think there's enough talent pool out there of guys from New Jersey that we might be able to put together uh, from the tri-state. Anyway, we got one couple guys from New York, Blasters roster. We might be able to get a few more, you know, guys with a little bit more experience, perhaps, uh, is what I'm trying to, to get at. And I, I will say this much, something that needs to be said to us, uh, the goal for the Somerset League in particular was just to get guys from New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. Now, normally yeah. when you say tri-state instead of Pennsylvania, people refer to Connecticut, at least in northern New Jersey. But uh, in this particular instance, I don't think there's anyone from Connecticut. There may be one no. player, uh, but I don't know for certain. I'll know when I look at the rosters in just a second here. And, no, no, nobody from other than New York and New Jersey, but I was just, yeah. I was just using the, the common vernacular. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then the best team in this league will be awarded with the Joe Torrey Championship trophy. And the top pitcher will be awarded the Sparky Lyle Award, while the top batter will get the Willie Randolph Award. Obviously, uh, all New York Yankees, which makes me believe that would be the Yankee team that would uh, be affiliated with uh, Somerset there. But regardless... Uh, we will jump into each of the rosters and the manager for each squad. We'll start with the better-known team, the Somerset Patriots. Pitching-wise, they look like this. Uh, Max Herman he resides in Rutherford, New Jersey, and his last team was the Salt Lake Bees, an Angels affiliate, I believe AAA. Uh, then we have fan favorite David Kubiak, obviously Somerset and the Mexican League last year. Billy Lane Jr., a Keyport, New Jersey native. Uh, Spokane was his last team. Again, I believe that's AAA for Seattle. Then we have Mark Leiter Jr., Manahawkin, New Jersey native. And he pitched for the Toronto Blue Jays last year. Then we have uh, three Somerset guys in uh, James Puglisi, Nate Rowe, and Taylor Wright. Those are your pitchers. Your position players are Carlos Garcia, Fargo Moorhead last year. I'm going to mispronounce uh, Sean... Gouda, I believe it is. Gouda's name. Uh, he's from Gouda, Summit. Gouda. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's from Summit, and he played for Gary South Shore last year. Uh, Jordan Jackson, a little fairy native. He played on Long Island last year. Uh, fan favorite, Scott Kelly. Then yep. Sid Kumar. He played from Missouri Baptist last year, so I suppose he's a rookie. He's from West Windsor. Morristown, New Jersey native, Matt O'Neill. Played for Kingsport Mets last year. Rookie league team, I believe. Then mm-hmm. uh, Justin Pacitoli, obviously a Somerset guy. Then we have Joey Rose from Tom's River, King uh, Kane County last year. I believe that's a single-A affiliate. I don't know for who. Adam Chiricchio. He is from Piscataway, a Plattsburgh guy. I believe that's Empire League. And then Dan Valario from Brick. He played for Southeast last year. I know Dan does follow the podcast, too. And I believe it's Jordan Jackson. It's either Jordan or Jalen Jackson that follows the show, too, uh, amongst other guys on this roster, too. Thank you for following. Yep, of course. And then uh, the team is managed by Brett Jody. What are our thoughts of this roster? I mean, it's a great roster. You know, this is a good. This would be your. This is your traditional Somerset roster. You know, Scott Kelly there, of course. Uh, you know, this is your Somerset roster. This is this is great pitching, decent batting. Maybe you know, uh, you'd have some standout guys here and there, but for the most part, this is a pitcher heavy team. And Brett Jody again uh, didn't have a great year last year managing, uh, just because of the offense, but. 
obviously one of the better managers in the Atlantic League, consistently uh, has his teams playing well. So I could see, you know, again, Somerset, this roster being very, very good, even if we were in a normal Atlantic League season. And now that we are not, uh, I again see this team being very stiff competition for the aforementioned Blasters. Yep, uh, I'll basically second that. I love the pitching here. It's, I mean, you got three AAA guys, basically, with uh, Herman, Kubiak, and Lane, then Leiter Jr., Played in the majors last year, and then we know what Roe, Wright, and Puglisi are all about. You know, so they're just they're just good players there. Uh, there's no arguing that. Offensively, they got some guys, but it's Somerset offense, so roll the yep. dice. And, <laughs> yep. I mean, and the rest of it, we're going to figure out what all these guys are about. And I will say, we were wrong. Uh, as far as Tri-State goes, we know there's a guy from New York. We know there's a, guy, a couple guys from PA, mostly New Jersey. But there is also one guy from Delaware. Carlos that? Garcia is from Delaware. See? See? Look at that. I, didn't, I was only looking at the Blasters roster. Oh, well, don't worry. We're about to get to the New Jersey Blasters right now. Uh, this team is going to be coached by uh, John Hunton, uh, obviously a Somerset legend. And yep. he's going to have the following guys to work with. <clears throat> Vin Aleo, a Staten Island, New York native. He pitched for Jacksonville last year, double-A of the Florida Marlins, or Miami Marlins now. Then we have Sean Casilica. Uh, I believe it's Caselica from Glenn Gardner, New Jersey. I have no idea where Glenn Gardner is. Talking, he played for Indianapolis last year. Brandon uh, LeBryant from also a Manahawkin guy. He played for Lehigh Valley last year. He was originally signed to, I believe, the Rockers this year, but obviously that must have changed. Uh, Michael Lepresti, he is from Wayne, played for Greensboro last year. Uh, Vim Mazzaro, Rutherford, New Jersey, Long Island guy last year. Plainfield, Alex Vargas, he played for Tennessee. Then Ryan Williamson from Cranford, he played for Haggardstown last year. Now again to the position players uh, from Newburgh, New York, uh, Sam Dexter. He was a milkman last year. Sussex fans will love this guy, Martin Figueroa from Elizabeth, New Jersey. State college last year, obviously was a minors guy and basically blasted himself into the legend as it were with the walk-off home run to win the Can-Am League in 18 I believe it's Zach Lipschitz, who is uh, from uh, Scotch Plains. He played for Drew. Louis Martini from Flemington. He played for Selena Stockade. Uh, Liam MacArthur, uh, Basking Ridge from Lock Haven. Tommy McCarthy, an Allentown, New Jersey guy from Gary South Shore last year. Uh, Zach Rakuzin from Mendham, New Jersey. Played for Lake Erie last year. Was originally slated to play for, I want to say, the New York Boulders. Then we have uh, Luis Roman uh, from Brooklyn, New York, a Schomburg guy last year. Mark Shalouigan from Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, uh, played for Dumont last year. And a guy that we actually know. Uh, we do. <laughs> Derek Romberg, Washington Township. He played for Ravenville last year. Uh, the pride of Morris Catholic High School, Derek Romberg himself. <laughs> oh, lordy. So what do we think of uh, of the Blasters? I think the Blasters roster is, uh, you know, it's it's a roster. You know, obviously. A ringing endorsement. You've got Martin Figueroa. You know me, big fan of Martin Figueroa. Really one of my favorite guys. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to really show out, uh, have a good time. Uh, really get a, gives him a chance to get more acquainted with the Atlantic League. I'm happy for him there. I think, you know, pitching-wise, 
you know, Vin Mazzaro is a guy that's been around, so he'll be okay. Obviously, you know, Michael Opresti is another familiar name for people. Pretty, you know, decent arm there. Um, I'm interested to see what uh, what, what Derek Romberg does. Uh, very interested to see how that that will go. Um, obviously, a guy who played at Rempo College. I think he, he also played some international baseball, if I am correct, um, somewhere in a professional setting. So I, I think it would be interesting to see how some of these newer guys uh, do. You know, this is obviously a big chance for them, a big opportunity to face uh, some Atlantic League talent, some AAA talent, and of course, some Major League talent in Mark Leiter Jr. So, I mean, this is a, for all of these guys, this is going to be a roster that is really kind of you know very much a uh, showcase for all of them and i don't know if necessarily in constructing this this was meant to be an exactly even roster with the patriots i think it's very much trying to develop guys and see new guys and i would imagine there will be quite a bit of turnover on this roster as well obviously with covid stuff but also just with trying to get guys in and out and getting as many uh looks for as many different guys as they can I agree with that. I mean, you look at the roster here and it definitely wasn't constructed evenly. I'll just be heavy handed about it. I see about four, maybe five guys in this t- roster that I go, yeah, we know what they're about and they're, you know, they're, they're going to lead this team basically. Uh, LeBron's one of them. Uh, Van Mazzaro's another one of them. Zach Rakuzin's one I ex- have high expectations for, as well as Martin Figueroa. Uh, Sam Dexter's not a bad player either. The rest of them I'm either unfamiliar with or I don't have uh, much of an expectation for. Now, obviously, there's some guys, mainly the college guys, that we need to see how they kind of handle going against major league talent arms with guys like Leiter Jr., uh, Kubiak being an obvious one as well, and even Lane Jr. too, and Herman too. I mean, there's a lot of AAA talent there, and even Taylor Wright hits the 90s fairly frequently uh, as a pitcher too. So there's going to yep. be a lot of talent they're going against here. Uh, so we're going to be able to see uh, how well they perform. Uh, just as simple yep. as that here. So like you said, it's a bit of a showcase for these guys, and hopefully they will get to a roster for next year. I think that's really the main goal for a lot of these guys. It's just finding a place to play in 2021, which if they do well, then they certainly will. Uh, if they don't, then, well, maybe some of these guys can sort out whether or not their their future is in baseball. I know uh, when I discussed this with Billy Horn, he said, yeah, a lot of guys, sometimes they just, you need to be just honest with them. Tell them, look, I don't think there's much of a future in it for you. And where you lie, maybe you should consider getting a job. <laughs> maybe don't quit your day job, huh? Exactly. I mean, like, I mean, it may sound a bit cold, but I mean, some guys, they... You need to get out of your system, play baseball, and get your answer. And then, you know, this is the perfect time to try here. It's a pandemic. That's probably, uh, if there's ever a time to go from college right into ball, now is probably as good as time as any. And you could get your answer here in this uh, kind of limited setting, I guess. Yep, 100%. Right, so uh, with that, we'll go to the next of these leagues, uh, which is the Sugarland Skeeters League. The Skeeters will play a 14-56 game schedule starting actually last night, uh, July 10th, and it will run through the all, through all of August, August 30th. There will be weekly COVID testing for the players, and Mondays are off days. Every Outside of that, just about every day of the week we'll have games. Wednesdays have fewer games than uh, your Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. But outside of that, that's basically how it is. Uh, pretty simple setup there. Yep. 
So we'll go through each of the four teams' uh, rosters now. And I got to say, there is actually a good amount of talent here. I mean, this is just as good as an Atlantic League team, to be honest. And if you do want to watch these games too, uh, I know on the Sugarland Twitter page, they said they were going to post the link to the stream tonight. So you can go there to find it. Pete Incognelius Skeeters will be represented by the following players. Uh, Jake Barrett, Akeem Bostic, Chase DeJong, Matt Dermody, Daniel Gibson, Jeff Johnson, Taylor Youngman, Josh Martin, Kyle Martin, Jason McKinley, Michael Nix, Henry Owens, Felipe Polino, former major league guy, Nick Rumblow, Robbie Scott, Alberto Cordero, uh, Jake uh, Romanski, yeah, Jake Romanski, uh, Gavin Ciccini, Casey Gillespie, DJ, uh, DJ Peterson, Ramsey Romero, Jamie Westbrook, Whiten Bernard, Anthony Giansanti, and Courtney Hawkins with Dustin Peterson, I believe. Yeah, Justin Peterson. So there's a DJ Peterson and a Dustin Peterson, too. So that's a little confusing, but that is Pete Incognelia's roster. Uh, general overview, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Obviously, uh, you got some guys there. You know, Nick Rumblow, former MLB guy with the Yankees a little bit. Obviously, you have uh, former uh, captain of Sugarland, Anthony Giansanti. Tugboat. Hey, hey, Tugboat himself, a fan favorite, favorite of the show, friend mm. of the program, well, shall not, we say? Not quite friend of the program, man. He, he hasn't come on the show. Only if you if you come on the show, you're officially a friend of the show. Uh, you're unofficially a friend of the show if we just kind of BS in DMs. That's right. Or if you're 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 an honorary fan of the show, like Anthony Giansanti. But anyway, overall, you got a really good uh, team going on here. I think just overall in the whole league. There's a lot of talent. Obviously, again, there's going to be turnover. Uh, who knows who you know who you start with? It's definitely not going to be who you end up with. But again, really good talent. Some MLB time among these guys, and just you know, again, Sugarland is pulling it together and doing a really good job with it. Yep. Uh, Gavin Chichini is another major league guy with the Mets at time. So he's yep. obviously very good. We know what Giansanti's about. Uh, Courtney Hawkins, not a bad pickup either. Rumble Polino, both major league guys. So that's very good. Henry Owens, I believe, was a top 100 prospect at 1.2. And Kyle Martin, I th- want to say, has major league time as well. So a really solid roster all the way around here. However, it stays this solid, if not gets better, with the following guys. So we'll go now to what I believe is going to be my team just based off the name alone, which is the Sugarland Lightning Slots. And yes, you can buy merchandise for all of these teams. I want to put that out there if you go to the Sugarland shop online or at the ballpark. A Lightning Sloth hat, unless Sugarland wants me to wants to send one to me for free, in which I will post on our Instagram, on the at Indie Ball Report James Instagram, if Sugarland would like to send me one. But if not, I will then buy one. I will break down and do it because the lightning sloths are worth it. I mean, you just lost your leverage there, but I, I mean, second I it. Did, but. All right. So they will be coached by Greg Swindle. He is the University of Texas coach, and he will have Tommy Collier, Chad Donato, David Hoff, Parker Kelly, Brandon Koch, Pat Ledette. All right. It's maybe Brandon Koch. It's Koch or Coke, one or the other. I'm not sure how the, he pronounces it. Uh, Jason McKinley, also on this team here. Uh, Ryan Newell, uh, some, a Sussex guy last year, an awesome closer for them. Orlando Rodriguez, Robbie Ross. I believe he's a major league guy or was a major league guy. Uh, Zach Rosscup, Teddy Stankowskowitz, 
Uh, then Joe Wyland, BJ Lopez, uh, Dakota Phillips. I, that name rings a bell to me, but I don't know why. Uh, mm. Josh Altman, Luis Avales, um, Bradley Bell. Uh, yep, Bradley Bell. Uh, CJ. Oh, this is going to be bad. I want to say that's Hazonia, but I'm not entirely certain on that. See, this is again proving we don't value pronouncing things correctly on this program. If you're yeah, upset is- with that, then I don't know what to tell you. Just post, post the. Here's what we should do: post the rosters on the Instagram, and we'll we'll highlight a few of the guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Look, if you don't want, this is really on the teams for not putting a pronunciation guide underneath their name. That's <laughs> that's on them. Uh, then there's also uh, Carson Maxwell, Preston Palmero, Barrett Barnes, Zach Bornstein, Kelly Dugan. Uh, Dalton Pompey, another major league guy, and Marcus Wilson. Uh, on this team alone, I like the Canadian in Dalton Pompey. Uh, Zach Borstam's obviously good. Kelly Dugan wasn't bad last year for uh, Lancaster. Uh, Luis Alvarez, I want to say was a major league guy, but I don't know. I may be confusing him with someone else. And then obviously, you, you got to like Ryan Newell too, and also Collier. It's not a bad pickup either, but I'd say, and David Hoff, I want to say was a major league guy with the Indians too, but I don't know. Hmm. And I don't know on that, but yeah, no, there's a lot of guys who are on this team that are really good. Um, I mean, the whole Sugarland League is just really stacked. Uh, really good team. It's going to be good baseball. Uh, obviously, Sugarland, I think, did it a little bit better than Somerset did insofar as they're really evening out these teams. There's good players on all of these different squads, and it's not just going to be, you know, Sugarland beating up on uh, all of these other teams, which might happen. But at least to me, on paper, there's a little bit more, a little bit more evened out. Yeah, it's a little bit more fair. I uh, will move to the next team, which is just called Texas, and their logo looks like a Texaco gas station logo. Look it up, compare the two, I'm right. Uh, this is the Clemens father-son duo managing this club, so Roger Clemens and Kobe Clemens are the two managers. Uh, they kind of share duties, I guess. Uh, they will have Brian Brickhouse. That's an, that's an 80-grade name there, Brian Brickhouse. Uh, <laughs> that's what I, that's, that's, I mean, now batting. Like, it doesn't get better than that. I mean, God damn. That's a pitcher, too. Damn. Oh, Ian, Ian, yeah. Brian Brickhouse. Really? God damn. Ian Clarkin, Jonathan Crawford, Kyle Crockett. Okay, you need to change it. They need to start calling him Davy Crockett when they announce him into the games. You're playing in Texas. Make it happen. Uh, <laughs> Dalton Kiki. Uh, let's see. Jared Lankin. Uh, he was a... He was a Lancaster guy last year, if I'm right, too. And Dalton Greeky was in Lake Erie, I want to say, last year. Uh, Turner Larkins, uh, Winston Lavender. He also follows the show on Instagram. Alejandro Mateo, Andy McGuire, Bo Ridgewood, Ryan Shetter. Okay, they're, I'm sure in grammar school, you got a lot of shit for that last name. Um, <clears throat> Pat Young, Alfonso Rita, Cameron Rupp. Cody Clemens, so another Clemens, or actually the manager also playing. Uh, Casey Clemens, uh, again, another son of the manager, or brother to the manager's playing. Gailey Cribs, Tommy Joseph, I know, I'm pretty sure he played for Baltimore, but I know he's a major league guy. David Hamilton, uh, Ryan Reynolds, not that Ryan Reynolds, different Ryan Reynolds. Luke Shirley, Will Benson, Connor Capel, Braxton Davidson, and Zane Gerwitz. Uh, interesting lineup here. A lot of Clemens. 
Rod Clemens. Here's what I want to say. I want to see Roger Clemens get in there. I want to see what he's got left on the old in the old ticker. I want to see what he's got left in the in, in, in the in the rocket. What the, what does the rocket have left? That's what I want to see. I'm not a Roger Clemens fan, so I, you know, I don't want that. Uh, no, I want to see it. I want to see, I want to see it. I want to see it. This is what I want to see. Watch, I, I will, watch I, he'll go out there to pitch just to reset his Hall of Fame clock, so that way he gets another shot at it in five years. Way to do it. That's what I would do. I mean, really, I'd be cheating. Uh, Tommy Joseph, I do like on this team here. Uh, there's a couple other guys. Geeky, I like. Uh, Lankin, I like. Winston's not bad either. Obviously, Brian Brickhouse is my guy. I would honestly get a shirt with his last name on it just because that's just such a great name. It's a baseball name right there. Exactly. So we'll go to the final team roster now. Easton Reyes del Tigre. Uh, this is coached by Dave Island, and he will have Aaron Blair. Ty Boyles, Caleb Dirks, Chris Dula, Matt Gage, Darren Gillies, Matt Gorst, Jeremy Guthrie, okay, he's a longtime major leaguer, TJ House, another former major leaguer, uh, Jordan Kipper, uh, Kevin McKenna, Kevin McGowan, I want to say he's also a major leaguer, but I don't know, uh, Jeremy Rhodes, Corey Taylor, Zach Allman, Josh Brew, uh, Pedro Pages, okay, that's a name, Pedro Pages. Uh, Breland Almendova, obviously yep. he's well known to our listeners. Trey Cruz, John Kemper, or John, uh, yeah, no, it's Kemmer. Yeah, John Kemmer. Seth Lancaster, Ford Proctor. Okay, this, this league has the names. Jared Walker, Keaton Weiss, uh, Brett Eibner, I believe it's Eibner, Evan Marzilli, CJ McElroy, Jared Mitchell, and Chuck Taylor. Solid pitching core. 80 yeah. great names all the way around, and some good outfielders, too. I like it. I mean, I like it. Again, great league. This league's going to be really good. Um, another good team, another great manager. I mean, what else is there to say? This is going to be fun. I'm, I'm interested for them to get going here and uh, watch, some, watch some baseball. Do we know what they're doing? Are they streaming this thing? Uh, I know they said they're going to tweet out a streaming link tonight, and if you're in Texas, there's going to be a couple games on TV. But uh, outside of that, I don't know anything else for certain. What a shame. What a shame. Yep. Uh, but just before we ramp up on them and move to the next league, which is going to be the Florence League, I do want to ask one thing. What is the best name in this league? Ooh, it's Brickhouse. See, I was going to say Brickhouse too, but because you took it, I'm going to go Pedro Pages. Ooh, Pedro Pages. I like Pedro Pages. Yeah, yeah. But Brick, come on, Brickhouse. I mean, yeah, Brian Brickhouse is just... That is just so great. But then again, Ford Proctor, that's also another one. Like These sound like hockey names. They do. They are hockey names a little bit. But I like it. I like it. I'm a fan. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely a fan of these. So we'll move now to the Florence League, which is arguably the most interesting of them all. So maybe let's highlight some names from the Florence League, not go through each Well, no, we don't have any names yet. Oh, any so tryouts for them are on the 20th and 22nd. Uh, 20th is in Florence. 22nd is in Lexington because we will have a mixed MILB and Indie Ball League here. Uh, Florence will bring back the Freedom and run two teams out of their ballpark. So you'll have the Yaws playing the Freedom and the Lexington Legends will also play, I believe, their Latin Heritage Night. They're a fil- they're alter ego, I guess, really. That team will play, and those four teams will all play against each other in a 32-game league. That starts at the end of the month, so on July 31st, and will run through September 
the 13th. That's how that's going to work. Two teams out of each ballpark, Florence and Lexington, that is. And like I said, the tryouts are on the 20th in Florence and the 22nd in Lexington. So we won't have any names there until then. But interesting to see that we have kind of this mix, this blending of sorts going on. Yeah, and I, you know, I like I like bringing back the freedom name. I like it. Exactly. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. Next thing up here, we have the Washington Black Sox League, which is four teams, eight games per week. That started also this week. It started on Thursday. Yeah, because uh, the 9th was Thursday, so July 9th through September 13th, and that will have two teams ran by the Black Sox, Joe Torrey, who we had on the show. He's going to run the Black Sox. There's also Baseball Brilliance, which I believe is his podcast that he does. So they'll have two teams there, and actually, uh, Brandon Phillips' brother is coaching the uh, the one of the teams, I believe. And then, oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah, yeah. And then Washington will run two teams out, one of which is called the Washington Wild Things, as you'd expect, and the other being called the Slammin' Sammies, which is actually coached by another guy we had on the show, uh, TJ Zerowitz, too. Awesome, oh, nice guy. So we'll kind of run through, I guess we'll run through these rosters, and we're just going to highlight guys now, because now we're really starting to get into the thick of things here, and we're getting into leagues, which I think have a little bit less interest, uh, to be honest, with the bulk of our listeners here. We'll run through the kind of Washington-based teams first, and then we'll go through the Black Sox guys, because it's mainly just your usual cast of Black Sox players for them. Some of the guys you may know from the Steel City Slamming Sammies. That is some alliteration right there. That is a great alliteration, great name. Yep, uh, Tommy Shirley, he was a boulder last year. Zach Reed played for the Wild Things last year. James Meeker played for the Wild Things last year. A couple of college guys, a lot of rookie ball guys. There is one guy, Matt DeSalvo. He has not played since 2010, I don't believe. So that's an experience right there. That's bringing him back, bringing him out of retirement. I like it. Yep, and for some reason, Jordan Jankowicz, or Janikowski, that's my mistake there. Jordan Janikowski, that name rings a bell for some reason. I don't know why. Um, yeah, not ringing a bell for me, but maybe. I, I remember seeing that name somewhere. Uh, but from the batting perspective, Nick Ward's a guy that uh, he, that name rings a bell too. And also John Sampson. Uh, he played for Lincoln last year too. And Ryan Cox played for the Wild Things as well last year too. So you may remember him from that. A couple other guys, but mainly these are guys from Pennsylvania. These are local guys too, although there is a bit more diversity from location in this roster. We have a guy from Connecticut, a handful from New York. There's a couple guys from just kind of far out there states like North Carolina, Indiana, uh, Alabama. There's one there. And there's also a Cuban guy on the roster too. So that's something of interest. Um, there you go. Very interesting. Yep. And then we have uh, the other roster, the Washington Wild Things. Uh, some guys of note that are on there. Tyler Garkow. Uh, he was a Winnipeg guy last year. Malcolm Grady played in Evansville last year. Frank <laughs> Mascaletto, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Uh, he played for the Boulders last year. He's a fan of the show, so uh, I'm sure I will get a DM about that name, certainly. <laughs> then there's also <laughs> there's a couple other guys. Of, uh, Hector Roa, he's actually a New Jersey guy. He played in uh, for the Wild Things last year, too. handful of other guys, but those are really the main uh, highlight guys as well. So, uh, Also, that's coached by the Wild Things manager, Greg Langburn, or Langbin. He's the guy that runs that show there. Again, mainly just local guys. Uh, there's some guys actually from Minnesota, Georgia, the Dominican Republic, Florida, from generally around here, but they tried to keep it to just local tri-state type guys. 
Yeah, I mean, it'll be an interesting league to watch. I mean, a lot of these will be nice, and a lot of you know, the main thing with these is getting baseball being played. And I think you do have some guys who are really talented on these rosters, but I think the main thing is getting baseball being played. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing here. And to avoid having to run through every single Black Sox player, we're just going to link that roster in the show notes. You could literally look at all the guys playing for them. That's constantly changing too on a daily basis. So be sure to take a look at that roster. Some very interesting names here. And supposedly I've heard rumors that Brandon Phillips himself might sign up and play a handful of games for uh, either the Black Sox or the Brilliant Sox, as they're being called, uh, the second team. So you may want to take a look at that. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Also, Keita De La Cruz is on there too. I know we also have a lot of Black Sock guys to follow the show too, so uh, that's something of note. Uh, last confirmed league we have, because there's a couple of leagues that I'm hearing rumblings about getting off the ground, but until we have official announcements, we're not going to cover them, and then once they get officially announced, we'll cover them. But the last thing we actually firmly have is the Julia Challenge Cup thing. Uh, we'll just kind of run through the roster here and list some names here. But if you're interested in that league, it starts on the 16th of July, runs through the 6th of September. There will be 54 games, five days a week. There's a mixture of actual MILB guys and Frontier League guys, seven games a week. Yeah, some of those names that do jump out to me that I remember seeing Ryan Kozel, Mitch Glasser, Freddie Landers, Freddie Landers and Mitch Glasser being two guys that I said, they're going to be important for Chicago. And then Chicago immediately went and cut them. Let's see, who else do we got here? Austin Shea is a name that jumps out to me. Drew Pettin. A lot of these guys, actually, I'm, I know why I'm remembering these names from that about month long stretch where I did like the daily post of the transaction things. That's uh-huh. where I know these names from. Uh, uh, look at you. Yep. Uh, Sherman Graves is an interesting guy. I be- If this is the same Sherman Graves that was signed to Fargo, then that's interesting to see there. Uh, Peyton Isaacson, another interesting name there. And also, I'll run through the names of all these teams here, too, in just a minute. Uh, Wesley Alberts, another interesting guy. Caden Harris, I believe he's also following the show, too. It's interesting to see when you have guys that actually follow the show and you see their names pop up on rosters. It's kind of cool. Then we have Joe Leinhardt. I believe he was with Winnipeg before getting cut and then winding up here. And, yep. uh, yeah, there's a bunch of other guys here. Too many to really run through individually. Uh, we really just kind of went through the first two leagues rosters because, well, it's more pertinent to our audience in whole. But, again, I will link the, the roster or I'll link the, the set of tweets that I got the roster from because they live-tweeted the uh, kind of draft for this roster, and I had to put it together from there, which was a bit annoying, I'm not going to lie. But uh, <laughs> I'll link something so that way you can find it. And there's Christopher Vaughn who I believe is Noah Vaughn, but I'm not totally sure. And if it's Noah Vaughn, he's a guy to watch out for. If it's Christopher Vaughn, I have no idea who that is. So depending on who it is, he could be someone to watch too. Uh, <laughs> at this point, I'm just reaching a haphazard level of the show. Because if you're in this far, let's be honest, you're going to keep listening regardless of what happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> the names of the teams in this league are the Juliet Slammers, obviously. The Chicago Deep Dish the Nerds Herd, that is Nerds, registered trademark of uh, the, whoever owns Nerds. I think that's Wonka, which is owned by Nestle. Uh, and the Juliet Tully Monsters. Don't ask what a Tully Monster is. I have no idea. It's a thing. I don't know if you can buy merch for this league. I don't know if you can buy merch for any of these leagues outside of Somerset and 
Sugarland. There is merch available for those at the team stores. And then the last thing that we have is the United Shore Professional Baseball League. We had the director of baseball operations on a couple weeks back, about a month ago or so. Uh, they opened last Friday on the 3rd. Only season ticket holders are allowed in. There's not really any other details as of right now. I assume it's mostly running as normal, but I couldn't find a roster. I couldn't find a schedule. I couldn't find any more information. And their COVID plan didn't tell me anything else that would be really pertinent to previewing the league. So that's how that lies right now. <laughs> overall thoughts on all of this? Well, overall, I mean, we've got, you know, a lot of these little leagues. They're good because they're getting people going they're getting baseball started but you know again somerset's a little little heavy-handed uh you know sugarland's evened out uh you know i don't have a whole ton of experience with a lot of these guys on the rosters in juliet um but I, what i can say is that it's great that they're getting baseball back they're getting uh these guys jobs and they're at least playing some baseball to start off with and so i think that's a great thing and it'll be good to get get some get some guys back playing and it'll really help out these teams and the fans and and again i think you know they're doing fun things like tully monsters i don't know what a tully monster is you know i mean you know you could be a tully monster for all i know i don't know what a tully monster is but uh you know i think it's interesting the lightning sloths they're doing clever things, and I really enjoy that they're trying to keep the spirit of independent league baseball alive even during this rather difficult period. So I think it's very interesting and very good that they're getting these things going. A lot of talented guys on these rosters, there's no doubt about it, but also some names that are going to get a chance, going to get an opportunity. And I think that's all you can ask for if you're a young player uh, in these difficult times to come in and get an opportunity to do something. And then maybe a scout sees you and you progress your career forward. Or if not, then you understand, you know, where you're at a little bit and you know where uh, your career is going and those kind of things. So I really do think that this is a overall a good thing. Um, great that there's all these little leagues. Obviously we would rather watch the actual you know, Joliet Slammers and the actual Somerset Patriots playing, you know, the teams in their own leagues, Frontier League and the America and the Atlantic League, respectively. But unfortunately, that is not the way it's going to go. But I'm going to assume a Tully monster is just like some sort of demented uh, Teletubby. And I'm just going to operate off of that assumption. If you actually know what a Tully monster is, uh, please tweet at us and let us know what that is. Because I have no idea what the hell a Tully monster monster is i agree with you it's great for opportunities for players it's great to just see baseball back and it gives people something to do all of these leagues can really get fans in i think the uspl is really the only one that can have uh, giant open crowds everyone else is selling tickets so go get your tickets if you're in the area and you want to see some live baseball just be safe about it and uh, yeah i i obviously enjoy a lot of this and uh, best of luck to all the players in all these leagues, all the managers in all these leagues, all the teams involved in all these leagues. The more you succeed, the better it is for everybody. And uh, hopefully everything works out really well for everyone involved. And uh, hopefully in 2021, we won't have to do these little circuit leagues. Hopefully we'll be able to get our really main three leagues back up and running and everything yep. will go back to the way it should be, back to normal. So hopefully that's Good the case. Me. 
Yep. Uh, so with that said, I think uh, about 90 minutes into the show, uh, it's a good place to just kind of wrap it all up here. We actually got through the preview of all these leagues done fairly quickly, I gotta say. I've, I'm a bit surprised. Uh, I, was so, I was tempted to almost split that whole preview part off and put it up in the middle of the week to give people something to listen to, but hey, it's not that long, so I might as well keep it all together in one thing. Uh, we were economic about it. What can we, I say? We were very quick about this, and you know, we did our own mini circuit type thing like all these places are minimize right. and compress and get it done with that said to, to the plugs uh, you can find the show wherever you find podcasts uh itunes uh stitcher podomatic uh, google play uh really like i said anywhere you find podcasts you can find the show be sure to follow us on twitter at indie ball pod on instagram at indie ball james and indie ball report uh, but a lot of stuff gets posted, so be sure to get on that and not miss it. Uh, likewise, you can find everything we do, videos, articles, the whole nine, on the website, IndieBallReport.com, or on the YouTube channel, IndieBallReportPodcast on YouTube. Uh, likewise, the review I have for the American Association Baseball TV streaming service should be out either later today, so later Saturday, July 11th, or on July the 12th. Right now, it just needs some touch-up work, so it will get done when it gets done, which will be this weekend. So look forward to that. That will be on the website, IndieBallReport.com, or the YouTube channel, IndieBallReportPodcast on YouTube. Uh, So with that said, do we have anything else left to add? Nope, just... Have a great week, everybody. Wear your masks, stay safe, and we will see you back here next week. Yep, and uh, obviously, you want to be safe, you want to keep the baseball playing. I'm just jazzed to have baseball back. I agree with everything said. And uh, as we always end the show, don't forget to play ball. <laughs>